Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Midnight Agent Raw. And I'm Okame. We are the Super Media Bros Podcast. And we are founding members of the Odd Pods Media Network. This podcast is to be executed at 2915 Mingo Mean Time. 24-hour love stories. Bastards of the universe. All that and more. Ready the spaceship. Actually, I was going to fly away on my bad CGI hoverboards here. Wee! Super Media Bros. goes oh my god well shit at least he didn't have to be tricked onto it with a gun unlike some blonde people oh you're back damn that hurt well shit how how was your flight how how was how was things how are things it was short because the budget was short keep it in long enough (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) Welcome to episode 160 of the Super Media Bros podcast. I'm Midnight Agent Raw. I'm still in pain. Yeah, you are. <laughs> That's a long drop. Yeah. Cold Cinema Showdown 67. Two space adventures that are kind of opposite. One goes to space, one comes from space, or just an, another world altogether. One's an any, one's an Audi. Oh, God damn it, it's true. <laughs> this week it is Flash Gordon versus Masters of the Universe. Oh, okay. yeah, no shit. That was a little late. No, it's never too late. Ever. But we will say this before we even get into it. It's it's we already know this is going to be a difficult one to pick between because these movies are so much fun. And one's a canon film. So it's like, God damn, throw that in the mix. It's like, take, OK, take the titles out. You have composed with Queen or canon film. Fuck. <laughs> composed with Queen. Dolph Lundgren. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what do you do? Well, you kick it off with a flash, Gordon. Oh, uh, Yes. Uh, throughout the whole film like anybody that's seen this just knows that that theme is just recurrent throughout which there's nothing wrong with the faint piano just dun, 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 dun. the whole fucking time <laughs> starring sam j jones timothy dalton max von Sydow, and a shit ton of people from the fucking james bond movies yeah i mean that was like the one thing that completely threw me was 
it felt like I was watching a James Bond film from back in the 80s. And clearly, I mean, we had James Bond himself in there only for a couple of movies, but still Timothy Dalton. Right. But there were so many more actors and actresses that were involved in the series. It's like they were literally next door and they came up to him and was like, hey, want to be in a sci-fi flick? Sure. Do you wanna- <laughs> I, I, just, I just finished a lot of these films. Yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Now, the movie opens, for those of you that haven't fucking seen it, spoilers ahead, obviously. The movie opens on the Emperor Ming, Ming the Merciless, on the planet Mongo, who's just bored. So, so what do you do when you're bored? You fuck with other planets. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's like a stupid little remote control, like, just blowing shit up. If, if anybody ever watches these old sci-fi films, you ever look at the control panels for, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the good guys or the bad guys. They look like those baby toys because it's, it's so simple when they push the buttons, like beep, beep, boop, beep. Like it makes like these infant sounds and shit. I'm like, they're so advanced in technology, but they're childlike. Right. And you just hear beep, beep, doop because he's blowing shit up and yeah, he causes an earthquake. He causes a freaking volcano to erupt. He causes a hurricane, which triggered. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, this must be really how it happens. What was the one that we were laughing the most at? It was like the sleet, but it was like heat. It was hot hail. Hot hail. That's it. I almost said heat sleet, which would have been pretty fucking funny. Heat sleet. Heat sleet. Hot hail. That should be a thing now. What, heat sleet? Yeah, that should be like a rocker band name. Heat sleet. <laughs> we're cool and hot. We're heat sleet all the way from the planet Mongo. Mongo meantime. Play it. <laughs> but yeah, he literally just fucks with earth because he's just like eh, why not i'm bored like he said yeah just causing natural disasters and then of all the fucking people that we get as a hero a fucking new york jets football quarterback flash gordon yep now here's the here's the thing if you go all the way back to our halloween 3 episode and uh, probably a few other episodes we've recorded since then there's almost a weird trope in some of these movies where the main character or characters meet with each other and they only just fucking meet, but they're so in love. Like they've been together for years. Cause we get Dale Arden, who is a, was a, a journalist, travel, travel, travel agent. agent, right. Flying on this plane, the exact same time that flashes. And it's just for some odd reason, that's what started it all. was like, they're on the plane instant love. Cause there was one line in here. It just, it sounded so fucking like awkward. Oh, please keep talking to me. Like she, she even said it more exasperated. It's like, oh, please talk to me. Th- this whole airplane scene makes me laugh though, because they're on there. Okay. And they go, flash goes to talk to the pilots for some fucking reason. It was the turbulence. That's right. Yeah. The turbulence. Cause the meteorite hit. The and, hot hail. Yeah. The hot hail hits the cockpit. Hot hail cock. Hail the cock. Right. And they're losing control and he sticks his head into the fucking cab or whatever. And one of the pilots is like, Hey, will you sign this for my kid? It's a people magazine or some shit with him on the front cover. Sure. What's his name? Buzz. And the first thought that came to my mind was is him just like sitting there fucking signing this for his kid. Buzz off flash Gordon. That's it. And then writes, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, the pilots get fucking yeeted out of the cockpit. Because Ming just kind of appears and then there's a flash of light and they're just gone. Yeah, his fugly face just pops up and sucks the pilots out of the cockpit. He sucks the cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> and then it takes both Flash and Dale to fly the plane. I'm quoting that very heavily. Yeah, because I think it's briefly mentioned that he's been taking like flying lessons or some shit. 
which apparently didn't include landing. So that's going to be an interesting little uh, tribulation there. They'd be super fucked. But on the other side of the story, we have Dr. Zarkov and his assistant, which I don't fucking know his name. <laughs> Dr. Suckoff. Yeah. Munson. Munson, that's right. Because there's this news article going on because they're at their laboratory and there's this news article about how Dr. Zarkov was dismissed by NASA for these wild claims about being attacked by some supernatural being or earthly, unearthly being or whatnot. And Zarkov's like, I was right the entire time and here's the proof. So it's like that conspiracy theorist kind of thing. Yeah. Even doesn't even have the yarn and string behind them, but you know, it all connects. But Zarkov is like, no, we have to fight this. We have to save earth. So he tries to convince Munson to get on this pod, this rocket pod. And Munson's like, fuck no. So what does Zarkov do? He pulls a gun. He's like, either you get on there and die for your planet or I kill you on the spot. And he's like, what's the difference? Right. Cause yeah, that, that's, that's just the way, that's just the way to get anybody to do what you want to do. Just fucking pull a gun on him and be like, yeah, you do this or this. And uh, I'm not serious. Like you don't fucking do that for real. No. But as soon as Munson leaves, he comes right back in and Zarkov's like, you came back. Yeah. You're back. <laughs> No, because there's a fucking airplane coming straight into the building. Yeah, because that's where Flash and Dale land the plane. Right in the middle of his goddamn like outdoor lab. I don't even know where the fuck this lab is. It's just out somewhere. And we don't even know where this is. Yeah, we can't even make a joke about like somewhere in wherever. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even say New York just because he's flying. Obviously flying to a game. To whatever. Somewhere in the desert. Yeah, exactly. It was a desert. Yeah. But yeah, so... I think Munson gets killed. He runs away. He runs away. One of the two. It doesn't fucking matter because he's not important. Right. What's important is Zarkov convinces Dale and Flash to find a phone inside the pod. That's where the phone is. You need to use a phone. Phone's right in there. And he traps them in the pod and he's trying to explain to them, this is what you need to do. We got to save our planet because these beings are attacking it that's why they have the weird weather patterns and shit yeah somehow he just knows that this is a thing Mm -hmm. but again all the conspiracy theories you're like okay this guy must know what the fuck he's talking about somehow nasa don't know shit they didn't dismiss me for that they just don't (laughs) like my theories but he forces them at gunpoint too so like he can quote convinces them (laughs) to get on the fucking rocket but flash fucks up though because he throws his fucking head into the button to like start the ignition and they literally take off and Zarkov's like, strap in, strap in. Yeah, for God's sake, strap yourselves down. Push the red pedal. Okay. But they take off. They fly their penis rocket up into space. It really does look like a dick. And I think this whole sequence is really cool because they fly into, it's basically like an interdimensional portal. It looks like a black hole, but it's like tie-dye. And like, you know, the oil like on water or certain like chemicals and it makes it like disperse and change colors and have these patterns. That's pretty much what it was like a kaleidoscope of like just liquid shit. Yeah. It was just trippy as fuck. And they're flying literally through it. And on the other end on Mongo, they're picking up the signal of the rocket and they're like, bring him safely in. Like there, there's just no reason behind it. just bring him in. And they literally just land on Mongo. They're captured by Ming's minions. They're minions. The minions. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, I swear to God, like in this same sequence when they're walking up to him, because the fucker, like he fucking comes out at the top of this staircase that just opens up. I don't know if it's like a curtain or just some doors that open up. 
Fucking Ming looks like a mustache bald Ric Flair with a fucking huge red and gold robe. Mm-hmm. Just royal as fuck looking. And then there's like this lizard dude that's behind him looking like old Greg gets fucking zapped out of existence. Yep. I'm old Greg. Pew, fuck you. He, he eats him out of existence because he drank Bailey's from his shoe. He's exact, he drank Bailey's from one of his shoes. Yeah. Wrong move. Don't drink Bailey's out of my shoe, motherfucker. Don't drink anything from my shoe. <laughs> Unless it's my piss. And knowing Ming, he probably made all of his minions drink his piss. Yep. But I also have to note, like, all the guards around the spaceship look like Dynasty Warrior Iron Men. Because they had, like, the red and gold, like, shiny plating. And it was just like, I'm just waiting for them to, like, take off and start using the repulsor cannons and shit. And then all the fucking little people that had the different colored suits on looking like midget Power Rangers. <laughs> I love the costume design in this movie. I really fucking do. Like, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about it a lot in this, this thing. But this whole sequence when they're in the throne room, it just reminds me of, like, every idea around the world of can we recreate Power Rangers in our own mind, in our own way? They all congregated into one scene. <laughs> they look like squares because they have like the big old shoulder pads that stuck out like a good foot from their actual neck. Yeah, the, the costumes look box shaped completely. Then you had the lizard people. You had the fucking hawk people. You had the Asian Iron Man. <laughs> You had Crow the Ville looking bullshit going Dude, on. Dude, I swear to God, that that was fucking hilarious. Like, because that's where they go to take him to die, right? Yeah, but it was like, yeah, this chick had a black and white, almost like Sia or Sia, whatever her fucking name is, Padme Amadala. That whole scene where she had the, the two, like the black and white, it was just like a combination of them in one costume, right? Because we're sitting there just pointing shit out like this at this point. Because, like, long story short, with this sequence. Fucking, he tries to fight them. Oh, we were laughing at this because Flash Gordon tries to fight and he gets his ass beat until Zarkov is like, hey, take this giant metal egg looking thing. So Flash gets it and immediately goes into football mode because all of a sudden that he's holding this thing, he's strong. Now he's got fucking football superpowers from the New York fucking Jets. Just jetting around. Yeah. That's probably the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's just like he suddenly just had the will to fight. <laughs> I know what to do. Give me that Ming skin. I'm on my way. (laughs) But also, we noticed, too, um, what was that guy's name with the mask? Clytus. Clytus, that's right. Probably my favorite character in the whole entire movie is Clytus. This dude had black garb on that's kind of like mysterious and evil and everything like that. And he had this metal like polygon looking mask on and the bottom jaw doesn't stay still it actually moves with his mouth which i thought was pretty cool but the voice and the actor behind it was peter one guard and i love that dude's voice like he sounds fucking sinister and he just sounds manipulative when he talks and it's just he doesn't even react or have over-the-top moments or any kind of extremeness to his you know attempt or his approach he's just very calm and just chill and he's just so fucking bad like in a good way. Right. Not as, he's my favorite fucking character through this whole film. Yeah, I really like it too. It was really neat because it seems like in both of these movies, the sidekick or the side villain person is pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. After the fight happens, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to fucking execute him to hell with it. And they're like, Flash is to be executed at 2915 Mingo Mean Time. Like the way they say it is just so dumb. We were fucking laughing our asses off. Mingo Mean Time. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. But 
the daughter of Ming Aura is in love with Flash Gordon. Just no out of nowhere. So I don't know what it is about this dude. Is it that he plays for the New York Jets? Is it the blonde hair? The fair hair. The fair hair. Yeah. Because he mentions before he gets his ass handed to him and then re hands the asses back. He says Ming's a psycho. Well, there's this like drone that flies around and he heard Flash say that. And he's like, who said that? The fair haired man. Like, that's how you describe people. Oh, who said that? The green scaled person <laughs> or the gold plated individual. Like who pointed out? <laughs> oh, we have some descriptions for some of these motherfuckers, though. But yeah, like we were going back to the whole, you know, love interest like Aura. Dude, Aura is like the galactic whore of this whole film. Oh my god, yeah. Like straight up. Like she's fucking one of the scientists there. I don't remember the guy's name. I don't think it was mentioned, but she's fucking around with Baron, which we eventually get to in the second. Well, actually, no, we get introduced to him before all that happened because it was Baron and Voltan and their two clans coming in to offer gifts for Ming. Right. And basically in exchange for him not fucking with him. Yeah. And Baron is actually Timothy Dalton's character and Voltan. Funny fact, Voltan's character, the guy who plays him was boss Nass from episode one. And once you hear him talk, it's like, Oh my God, it is him, which I thought was pretty cool. Right. But yeah. So anyway, back to what I was saying, you know, or is a whore horror. Yeah. Horror. Yeah. And she's, just fascinated with flash so much. So when they, when they take him to the fucking prison cell, cause they're going to take him to this prison chamber to gas him. It's just this green gas or whatever, which is like foreshadowing, right? But all the while they're bringing him there. I was laughing my fucking ass off because there's these dudes in red robes that look like the shy guys from Mario. Oh my God. And then there's these people that are in fucking like, cause he's in this like prison cell getting tortured and shit or like getting fucked with basically. And there's these people that look like they're wearing like snake slash lizard pieces on their heads and their faces are sticking through the mouth and they look like Yoshi and then the little people are like Goombas yeah this is like the Mario movie that was done right yeah it's like a secret (laughs) it's like a underground secret Mario movie that just Mm -hmm. is called Flash Gordon even before Mario came out this was this was like the premise for it it's like a blonde haired Mario (laughs) right so yeah like get into the execution chamber he fucking dies and Aura has the surgeon come revive Flash out of his fucking casket that they like the nice casket, nice tombstone, everything. With a freaking mirror inside. Yeah, so he can watch himself to death. He's yeah. like, oh. Watch himself die. Yeah. But yeah, so they, she, she revives him or she has the, the scientist revive him or whatever the fuck. And she's like, I like you. Let's go. <laughs> so they're escaping. And as they're leaving, Flash is seeing Zarkov being brainwashed by Clytus because. They're trying to brainwash him to use him against them. But that doesn't work. We find out later. But so, we, uh, we, the, the foreshadowing thing I mentioned earlier comes into play here a little bit too, because what they do is they wipe away all memories of Zarkov. And there was a part of the memory where Zarkov was going through World War II. And there was brief images of Adolf and, uh, God, Clytus was like, now, there's a worthy man right there. Yeah, he fucking straight up was admiring the handiwork of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, he's like, this man showed promise. Yeah. You piece of shit. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, because that got us thinking about what year it might have been when this happened based on like the age of everybody and especially Zarkov's memories. And I think we deduced it was like 63. Mm-hmm. 
because what would give that away is the fact that it, it would be 63 at the very earliest just because the New York Jets as a football team were not actually established as the Jets until 1963 in the NFL. And that's like at least 20 years removed from World War II. Right. And Zarkov looks just about in his mid to late 40s. So somewhere in 1963, this yeah, happens. There you go. There's <laughs> there, the joke. There it is. But yeah, anyway, so Aura and Flash flee to Aboria, which is the kingdom of Prince Baron. And we were just laughing because she's like teaching him to fly the ship. She's like, your right hand controls the direction. My left hand controls the erection. Erection, misdirection. Wait, what? <laughs> His erection selection. Erection direction. Yeah, this chick is literally trying to get as much out of him in her mm. as possible. She's trying to milk every bit of it. <laughs> but there was a point where she telepathically communicates. I forget who it was to. Whatever. So he sees her doing that and it's like, well, I got to get in touch with Dale because he, the whole entire movie, he's like trying to get back with Dale. And on one side of the coin, we see that on the other side is Dale literally surrounded by women being pampered and dressed up and whatnot and being offered the most intoxicating drink on Mongo or Mingo, wherever the fuck the planet's name is. And it's pretty much absinthe because it's green and it's strong and yeah tripping ass yeah and she's basically offering it to the slave that's giving it to her which we already know what was happening with that point right because didn't yeah because flash was encouraging her to flee and escape right well flash eventually gets in touch with her and she's tripping out and i thought that was really cleverly done like they got her fucked up and then he reached out to her and it's like wait aren't you dead this is all just trippy he's like no i'm actually got resurrected and she's like what the hell so he tells her to like fucking get out of there. And then all that's, you know, going hatching mode basically with the plan. Right. On the other end, they finally make it to Baron, which is literally a fucking crater with an ecosystem. Yeah. It just made me laugh because the first thought I had was when they arrived there is that they're passing, like they're passing through and they just look out the window and they see Yoda training Luke. And he just like, Yoda would just look up and be like, <laughs> the fuck? Ah, Gordon it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck is this doing here <laughs> trained you already i did <laughs> <laughs> he just like completely leaves luke behind and just chases after like i want to know what the fuck this is luke's like master yoda and he the- shows more promise exactly you failure you are <laughs> but yeah we get introduced to the uh peter pan regiment that is baron's clan jesus christ that dude straight up leotard and everything look just like fucking peter pan it's like some dude that is supposedly oh what did he say he's like oh yeah i'm ready to become a man and he's got to like you know go through his ritual sticking a hand in the glory hole yeah the big giant fucking wood glory hole of this tree which apparently is like a rite of passage if they don't get bit by this entity inside then they're ready to move on if they get bit they pretty much die right can we talk about because i forgot about this ship can we fucking talk about Dale taking those fucking shy guy looking fuckers out with like precision accuracy, like out of nowhere, like fucking how did this bitch learn how to fight like that? Yeah. Cause she eventually switches costumes with the slave and makes it out. And she basically makes these stupid ass guards even like more stupid looking. Cause she tells one walking by is like, Hey, walks to the other side. And he's like, Rah. shoots the shit out of, well, no, she does like these like fucking karate moves and shit or whatever and then she grabs the gun and like goes fucking 
like secret agent bullshit like gymnastics on these others right like she's just taking off running and just like it does it's like a standing no hand cartwheel like leap over and shoots the one dude and hits him with the butt of a gun like what the fuck you're not a travel agent <laughs> no you're not that's just a freaking side job for you <laughs> what are you really a secret agent not a travel agent secret travel agent he <laughs> got it wrong <laughs> traveling secrets what if she actually booked this flight secretly yeah it's like i knew i was coming here secret travel agent he had no idea mm -hmm. this is all her fault so anyway after all this has happened and we've gone to the peter pan the peter planet arborea yeah there's a there's a cutback to zarkov being activated to hunt dale down and the whole time this happens like he finds her and she starts revealing all of flash's plans and you're sitting there at first thinking oh shit he's gonna intel everything but they're listening no matter what right somehow he's tricked them and he, he never lost his shit so they fucking escape no i think the one part of that conversation that was just irksome to both of us was yeah i just started remembering music like the beatles and it just it all came back i'm like oh my god no <sighs> that had to be the reason why you remembered everything the fucking beatles yeah we get it they're part of history they're pretty iconic, but they still aren't that good to us. No, it's like the most overrated band that's ever existed. But yeah, they fucking fly off trying to catch up to everybody on Aboria. And I think this is where they get intercepted by Voltan's group. <laughs> Every time I hear that name, I think about fucking dude, where's my car? Zoltan. Yep. But he holds his fucking fingers up in a V shape. Voltan. V formation. <laughs> that's how their flight formations are. Just in a V. They're mighty ducks. Yes. They're mighty fucks. The mighty fucks. <laughs> yeah, V2. Or the mighty Vucks with a V. Mm -hmm. So they're having like their issues there because Flash arrives and he causes a ruckus because he's not even supposed to be trespassing like on the tree or in the area that the tree people are. And he tries to like dip him into this fucking swamp with all these Yoshi looking people. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of don't like I get the point of the scene, but at the same time, like. He escapes. It's, it serves nothing. Yeah, I mean, he could have just had to make a great escape on the top of the tree and swing off like fucking Tarzan. Mm -hmm. I mean, which he kind of does. Yeah, but I mean, like, Baron's all like, oh, I swear I'll hunt him down. All right, cool. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, because he, he tricks Baron thinking that he got bit by the creature, and he pulls a fucking fast one on him, pulls his sword out, and it's like, ha, I tricked you, Baron. <laughs> that shit was fucking hilarious. But yeah, he ends up leaving pretty much down the tree on a vine. And ends up in a fucking quicksand swamp pit and just. Oh, yeah, with that fucking spider looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> looking like Mike Danton from fucking Deadly Prey. Yeah, because all I saw was blonde hair and a fucking head and then leaves. <laughs> just waiting for it to pop out. Pull fucking Baron in. <laughs> yeah. Now, while this is happening, back on Mongo, Clytus has his suspicions about who the traitor was to get all this shit happening. And he tells Ming, he's like, I have my suspicions, but I need your permission to hunt them down. And Ming's like, stop at nothing. I don't care who it is. Yeah, because he reiterates, like, even if it's anybody in particular that I'm thinking of in some form or fashion, he's like, stop at nothing. I said that. Right. Okay. So it turns out a little while later, Aura's being tortured, like whipped big time. And it's her, obviously. <laughs> then, like, she sees her dad, Ming, and the door opens, and he's like, oh, shall it, you know, we continue the torturing, blah, blah, blah. Do you want us to stop? And he's like, no, nah, let it go. And she's like, damn you, father. Well, yeah, because just, she reveals a lot of the shit that was happening while he was there, just behind like one of those like one-way mirrors. Yeah. What was cracking my ass up, though, is Clytus just looks over and he's just like, 
bring the boar worms. And she's like, no, not the boar worms. And I fucking was like, not the bees. It was his dick. Yeah, bring my dick worms. Bring them out. I harvest them every day <laughs> out of my dick. My dick. It's literally just like a freaking orb of fucking grotesque, like, ugh, worms. Right. But then, like, after the torturing or whatever, Ming is like, yeah, whatever's left over, she's being banished. Like, he's just going to fucking completely banish her away from the planet. That is the thing that I forgot about. The fucking, the green father, whenever he was making Flash, like, take that test with the, the wood thing. The mm-hmm. way he was like, oh, you must try the wood beast or die. So I'm sitting there like, so fight an erection. Yeah. It's like we made the joke earlier about the, uh, there was something about wrestling. We thought it was erection or something. Or no, you mistyped it because it was like your phone instead of erection, it said wrestling. Yeah, I was taking notes and I was just like, so you're fighting an erection and my phone was like, erection? No, wrestling. So it was like AEW, all erect wrestling. Yeah, all erect wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing against you guys. It's just funny. Or WWE, wrist working erection. Yep. Either way. It's funny. Wrestle that erection. Exactly. Exactly. Wrestling with erections. Yep. So <laughs> Don't they do that every night? Yeah. But anyway, so whenever um, on the other planet, whenever he's about to be eaten by that fucking giant spider creature, that's whenever he escapes because Baron like saves him and is trying to kill him. But then Voltan's people come and save Flash Gordon. Yeah, because Dale and Zarkov got intercepted by Voltan. They try to convince them to fight with Flash because during the beginning fight sequence, Zoltan or Voltan was see <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm forgetting myself no it's funny voltan was enjoying the ruckus that he was causing and zarkov called it in the beginning it's like these people need a insurrection they need a freaking alliance to overthrow ming and it's in there it's in voltan's like essence like he wants to surpass all this dynasty bullshit and live happier or live better basically so they convinced them to go save flash from baron on aboria yeah because it's at this point he basically challenges him to a trial by combat like mm-hmm. once they've all kind of gotten in the same because they go to that's right because they go to the uh, voltan area because baron has tracked him there right no because i think they kidnapped baron from aboria and they're going to give him up to ming as the offer for like I'm better than you. Here you go, basically. Yeah. And the only way, because they had a clause that Baron brought up was like, you know, you can't offer blah, blah, blah up to the emperor or whatever unless there's a trial by combat or some bullshit. So Voltan's like, who do you want to fight? He just says him. Yeah. So they have this one-on-one mano-a-mano fight on this gyrating disc platform. Looking like the fucking end of Mortal Kombat with the spikes coming out the bottom of it and shit. Mm Mm-hmm. He almost kills him. And by that, I mean, like, Flash almost has Baron falling off with this thing. But he saves him because Flash is honorable. And at that point, uh, Baron realizes that Flash is who he says he is. Right. And offers his hand up in friendship. And he's like, I'll fight by your side. At this point is when Ming and his crew of fuckers just crash the party. Yeah, they pretty much invade Voltan's flying castle. Which looks like fucking Ariel or the Little Mermaid's castle. Voltan's moving castle. Yeah. And Voltan fucking chicken shits out of there. It's like, I'm, I'm saving my people. I'm not worried about this. I mean, wings and all. Yeah, he wings it. Yeah. So they take off and 
Baron and them take off. I think, no, they get kidnapped. I'm sorry. So Zarkov, Dale, and Baron get kidnapped by Ming and them. Yeah, we forgot something. Before I forget, we definitely forgot something. Because remember, Dale is, is reunited with him on this, on this little fucking platform, Dale and uh, Flash. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you know, I thought you were dead, blah, blah, blah. I would want, you know, I thought I was just seeing things. I have such stories to tell you. And he's like, save them for our kids. Yeah, so the 24-hour love story line, it's true. Because both these films are guilty of this shit. And I know a lot of films are guilty of this. But these two prime suspects, you meet this person literally hours before anything transpires. And it's just suddenly they're infatuated with each other. Like just nothing can stand between them and their undying love. And I'm like, dude, you literally just met this chick. Right. Like I was mentioning like way earlier at the top of the show, like when in Halloween three, five days, half his age, man, fucking Tom Atkins running off with that fucking half his age chick to some town. And what, what causes like in that movie for sure, like what causes the sudden flare of interest? This one, I kind of get because Flash Gordon is, you know, star quarterback. He's heroic. He has morals. He's a good meta- like good mentality kind of person. I thought you were going to say he has good metabolism. Yeah, I mean, look <laughs> at him. You can burn fat in like two seconds. Yeah, you can. Just like me, except I'm skinny. Maybe it's the, <laughs> maybe it's the shared drama of going to space together. Yeah. Or almost dying on a plane. But yeah, like, Dale is just so into him, like, immediately. And... Flash, he's kind of the same way, but he's not as open about it. Like, yeah, save it for the kids. And there's like a couple other lines. But the entire movie, he's like, I got to find Dale. Got to make sure she's okay. But doesn't really proclaim that kind of interest until really right now. Right. Oh, yeah. And I forgot before they leave, whenever Ming and them fucking arrive, Clytus just comes out of nowhere and he's just, you know, being a dick. It wasn't even Ming. It was just his minions, right? Yeah. At first, it was it was Clytus and minions, the minions. Yeah. Before Ming even arrives. Flash Gordon gives him some kind of fucking arm drag takedown onto these spikes and impales him on the spikes. And Gladys just dies, bug-eyed and puking, a, puking his whole tongue out of his mouth, pretty much. His eyeballs, too. Like, they just pop out, like, for no reason. It looked like that fucking uh, Tex Avery. Was it, it was like a wolf or a dog. You know what Tex Avery cartoon I'm talking about when he's, like, his eyes bug out of his head? He's beating the fucking table with the, that, that hot chick. Yeah, because it was like in um, The Mask whenever yeah. he did that to Cameron Diaz. That's it, yeah. That's what he looked like. But yeah, Ming comes in and just offers him like, well, your planet's really doomed, so I can save it, but you have to basically swear allegiance to me and I'll give you the planet Earth as your realm. And Flash is just not interested at all, thinks he's a fucking psycho. So Ming's just like, well, fuck you, you're dead, takes off and blows the fucking castle to shit. And you see Flash somehow managing to escape and he flies off on this scooter like this air hoverboard scooter thing oh yeah <laughs> it looked like a goddamn uh piece of exercise equipment that he would have like at home or at the gym or something like y'all remember in uh, the avengers when loki was flying on the chitauri little f- spaceship thing that's pretty much what it was except not as elaborate yeah this was very uh it was like two-thirds of a jet ski <laughs> was it really did fucking yeah. look like a jet ski <laughs> At this point in the movie, we get the uh, the ever so awesome Queen Flash Gordon track playing in the background just constantly. Yeah, I think it's like probably from here to the end of the movie. It's almost always playing somehow in some variation. Like you get that subtle piano just in the background. Doom, 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 doom. Flash. Ah! Yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah. Very little of the lyrics or anything like that. 
but it's him flying through space and he's trying to get in touch with Voltan and Voltan's on Arboria. Yeah. Cause they realize they fucked up by leaving him behind. And he tells him like, yeah, I made it. We need your help. And somehow he convinces Voltan to fly with him to overthrow yeah. Ming. And at this point, Dale is being held captive and she's, you know, she's going to be married to Ming against her will. Well, they throw Aura's ass in prison and Aura gets the shit kicked out of her by Dale until she convinces her that she's changed. And then all of a sudden she's like, hey, give this poison to Ming because he likes to drink a power potion before making love. So give him this poison, which we never see that come to fruition, but it's still kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But Flash basically makes his way to the base with the Voltan army and... Ming's assault ship gets ambushed because they're like hiding behind these giant fucking clouds or whatever. And like Voltan, like the leader Voltan, the way he says dive every time he sends a wave of these people at them, <laughs> dive just makes them think like, oh, he's making them die. He sounds like Vince McMahon. You're die. Dive. <laughs> but yeah, they pretty much storm this airship and. I don't know why they think this is a good idea because they're literally shooting down so many Hawkmen as they progress down. But they eventually make it. They overthrow everybody inside and they blow the ship up too. Well, they they well, plan some of it. They plan to basically insert the ship into the palace of Ming because this is at the point where the marriage is happening. Because you know, plot thing right here, Ming is marrying Dale because he finds her exquisite, like just most enchanting creature, blah, 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 whatever. So he's like, you're, you're marrying me. No, no questions asked. So the idea was there's a force field around the palace and there's no way to surpass it, but they're going to fly that airship straight into the force field and just blow the shit basically. Well, they get close to it and in the background while they're doing the whole marriage thing, which by the way, I mentioned this watching this film, they had Queen play the um, Here Comes the Bride, like the fun- the, um, the wedding procession, like and like air gu- like guitar sound, and it was just so fucking cool. Yeah, fucking Brian May, dude. Yeah, like just awesome, awesome. But as that was playing, then it switched over to flashing them. It was just like silence. It was like okay, let's tense moment and everything like that. But they were trying to shoot the ship down from a distance, and what I don't understand is like they were doing the wedding and everything. You, you can clearly see the ship from where they were staying in the throne room. And as soon as the force field came down, which that was thanks to Baron and Zarkov, you see the ship clear as day. And I'm like, how the fuck does nobody see this massive fucking airship flying at them like Mach whatever speed? That's a giant dick heading straight for you. Mm-hmm. How do you not see this shit? So he flies this fucking thing. And I have to laugh. Because the area that he flies this ship into, there is a perfectly circular shaped opening for this ship's front end to fit into. Flies it straight through, impales Ming on the fucking point of this thing. Just to prove a point. Yeah. Fucking prick. (laughs) Ming is dying. His powers are going away because he's fucking dying. And basically, to make a long story short, Flash offers to spare his life if he stops the attack on Earth, which he refuses and tries to use that power ring on him, but it's failing. And then he aims the ring at himself and basically vaporizes himself with the power. I think he like puts himself in the ring, like his energy or his essence just becomes in the ring. Right. But I have to laugh because this is basically the end of the movie because before the Earth blows up, because that's a thing, the Earth is going to explode. 
and they've got so long to do it. This happens right before the counter reaches zero, and it doesn't happen. That the end is so fucking hilarious because it's like you saved us. Have a nice day. Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought that delivery was so fucking funny because that probe, that drone that I was talking about earlier, was the one that delivered the message. It was like, "Oh, the earth, your Earth is saved. Have a nice day." <laughs> but the funny thing is, is, whenever he jumps at the camera and says, "Yeah, that was improvised," because they did not know how to end the movie, mm-hmm. so Sam Jones just did that. Yeah. It was completely improvised. Yeah. But don't they eventually send them back? No, they don't. Never mind. They don't send them back. No, because they're discussing how to get back to Earth, and Zarkov doesn't know how they're going to get back. They're going to try. And Baron's like, oh, you guys can stay. And then Dale's like, I'm a New York girl. <laughs> okay. It makes no sense. She's like, this is too quiet for me. I'm like, really? Yeah, no shit. How is this quiet? You literally went like intergalactic like space force on this shit. Yeah, and the end of the movie is the ring being picked up off the ground by a, quote, unseen person, but we fucking know it's Ming because he laughs as the credits roll. Mm-hmm. That's the end with a question mark. <laughs> like, no shit has a question mark in it. Yeah, because, fun fact, both of these movies had sequels planned that never fucking happened. Never came off the ground. No. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. And I'm Little Matt. And here at the 500 Section Lounge, we have a few requirements. First, you've got to be able to talk about anything at all. Secondly, you need to be able to laugh, play games, and talk to some very interesting people. From sports radio personalities to reality television contest finalists and everything in between, we talk to them all. Yeah, it's all right here in the lounge. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab a listen. listen. Let's take a trip to Masters of the Universe. Goddamn, a 1987 film from Canon Films that I, I've got to point a couple of things out before we get into. So this movie was, I mean, obviously literally based on the toys or whatever. Mattel was kind of struggling at the time. So Menahem Golan was like, hey, we're going to, we want to make this movie. We think it'll revitalize the toys. Like you can sell toys based off the movie. It might revitalize everything. Cool. Mattel was to fund half of the film while Canon Films funded the other half of this movie. Fun fact, Canon Films never did put their other fucking half up. And so the director pretty much had to beg Mattel to put the rest of the fucking money up so he could complete this movie because there's one point where there is like no lighting. And that's why, because they didn't have the fucking budget for the lighting. So they had to put two goddamn spotlights up for this final shot. Because there was supposed to be a much more elaborate ending to this film that never happened. Thanks, Mattel. I say thanks, Mattel, for letting them get the movie finished. But goddamn, like, Canon fucked them so bad on this Mm -hmm. deal. So let's get into the movie. Dolph Lundgren, Courtney Cox, Billy Barty. And Billy Barty is the little dude with the camera from UHF. Mm -hmm. He plays a... Some name. I couldn't remember. It was like Zivlik or Ziplik or Whitlik or I don't know. Dicklik? Yeah. (laughs) 
He plays Gwildor. Gwildor. There you go. I was so right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was spot on. But yeah, so I'm going to set y'all up with the beginning of this film. We get introduced to Castle Grayskull and the whole plot of Skeletor is literally ending the war on Eternia to basically control all of it. And you get this walking sequence to the throne with Skeletor. And as soon as he talks, like the very moment disappointment comes over because he does not sound like the TV show at all. He's not the meh. He's just very deep and just sinister sounding. I'm like, this movie fails. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, like we get introduced to him like right at the beginning. He's talking about the uh, sorceress, you know, literally losing her power to him so he can become like the all powerful ruler of everything. So he can have the power. Yeah, the power. Dude, we were laughing, though, whenever he was walking up to it and he kept stabbing his fucking staff in the ground. Just waiting for him to fucking hit his fucking foot. Stab a minion's foot, yeah. <laughs> oh! He just... <laughs> yeah, because that was like a heavy shot. Like, all you saw was just that stab just... And I was waiting for a... Fuck! Yeah, just... Oh! <laughs> he just stabs his foot. Oh! <laughs> but yeah, so... They're trying to basically control all of Eternia and they're ending the war, but in the distance is He-Man, Man-in-Arms, and Tila, you know, fighting all of resistance and whatnot. And they end up catching a couple of the guards with Dicklick. I forgot his name already. Gwildor. Gwildor. Whatever. <laughs> they save him and he mentions that he's a locksmith and a, you know, technician of some sorts like he can build and craft anything from anything basically and he tells him that skeletor has a key is a cosmic key that allows him to jump in between you know realms and universes and timelines and stuff like that well they eventually go to his little hovel and come to find out that he actually has two copies he has the prototype and skeletor has the main one basically but they all work the same so they're trying to figure out how to overthrow Skeletor and save the sorceress. Well, they get interrupted by, I think it was Karg, if I'm not mistaken. The furry looking short dude. Yeah, that little bastard. They get, yeah, they get stopped by Karg and the minions and they eventually leave. It was like little escape hatch. They basically figure out somebody betrayed them. Yeah, so they're trying to figure out who and that was the first person suspect wise. That's whenever they get attacked at uh, that little holding area that they're they're in because they're talking about the key being able to you know transport them wherever they need to go and shit well, they fucking escape these bastards and go to Grayskull they go to Castle Grayskull mm -hmm. and we were laughing because like when the fucking because these little fuckers they look like Darth Vader like ripoffs like the whole army team looks that way they look like dark helmets they really do <laughs> I love whenever they bust in though because you were pointing it out they were like find the D because it's like he's yelling to find the D and tear this place apart yeah, when Karg spoke, like, it was so much interference. Like, I couldn't hear Harley. I heard it was like, find the key, but it was like, find a D. He's looking for that dick. I need satisfaction. <laughs> D-man. Yeah. But yeah, He-Man and group, they eventually go into the Castle Grayskull, and they try and save the sorceress. Who's played by Christina Pickles. Who is in quite a pickle. Yeah. And I was laughing because, like, the way she's got her little crystals off, it looks like, oh, it looks like ice. Christina Sickles. Mm hmm. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, they try to do all that fun stuff, and they eventually get ambushed. Skeletor is trying to get He-Man, like actually take him, not kill him. Well, Dicklick, 
fucking Gwildor sounds more like Skeletor than Skeletor does. Yeah. I, he's just, yeah, he's, but yeah, Dicklick, I'm not going to call him by that name. You can call him Dicklick the I, whole I, time. I don't fucking care. Let's call him Dicklick the I whole fucking I don't time. Fucking care. No, I'm serious. Let's do it. So he opens a portal, doesn't know where he's going because they're trying to literally get the fuck out of there as quickly as possible. And they all jump into the portal and they end up on Earth. Yeah, because they don't tell you that it's Earth right away. They wait until a cow pops through because <laughs> Dicklick is like some strange creature. And then Man in Arms like, it's an alien life form. It's big. It's a cow. And he literally says to Dicklick, Lewis, I'm going to go and talk to it. Moo. <laughs> He's so dumb. Moo. He really is Dicklick, isn't he? Yeah. So we get all that shit. They go their separate ways to start looking for the fucking key because it's gone. Mm. Somehow in the, in the travel, whenever they escape, Man-at-Arms had catapulted, launched his grappling hook and grabbed the fucking thing. But it, it got lost in, in the time loop or whatever the fuck. So it's, it's there somewhere, but not with them. Cut to Julie, who's played by Courtney Cox. Working in a fast food joint that sells like chicken, ribs, burgers, chili dogs, you name it. They got it. Who wants to leave town and start anew. She wants to leave her dude, Kevin. For what reason? She, she blames herself for her parents' death. Her parents died in a plane crash, but she blames herself. She was nowhere on the flight. Blames herself. I, I, t- I said I wanted to leave and stay with you. Wah. Okay. So, He-Man and crew all go their separate ways, and uh, <laughs> He-Man and Tila, I'm mean, sorry, Man in Arms and Tila, end up meeting each other at the restaurant and they see Dick Lick with a fucking grapple arm, which by the way, I forgot to mention that whenever they leave through the portal, the actual key that he had got dropped and all you saw was a fucking grapple arm just coming through the portal grabs it. And that's how it got lost. Cause it literally just flew into the portal by itself. Right. Well, he had the grapple and there was a couple in a convertible, like just making out, they weren't even worried about their fucking food in the back seat. Grapples the damn bucket of chicken and ribs <laughs> and just yoinks it into his possession. So the three of them are eating and they're like, what is this made of? It's so good. And it's like, oh, that's a rib bone. And Tila's like, this is from an animal. He's like, yeah, if you don't think about it, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, it does. Let's not forget Dick like fucking chucking the cup of barbecue sauce. Yeah, he takes like a fucking shot like in a bar. Just he fucking slams the cup down and everything. Another round. <laughs> Yeah, another round. This is JR's barbecue sauce. Shit. By God. As you take a shot. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like, this is the point where we figure out, like, Julie gives us, like, the whole reason I mentioned earlier about her parents and how she's all pissy and sad and emo or whatever the fuck. Because they go to the graveyard. Kevin picks her up from work in a hearse. He's a musician. I mean, from the inside, it looks like one. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, it has to be hers. But anyway, like, he, picks, he picks her up and they go to the, the graveyard. And, you know, she's telling him, like, oh, I want to I want to leave. And like, it's all my fault. Well, they stumble across the key because the cosmic key has just like crash landed in this graveyard. Wouldn't it be funny if it crash landed into their grave? And then it like teleports their fucking corpses to Castle Grayskull. To Skeletor himself. And he just gets and he's like, oh, bombarded with skulls. <laughs> like that's it scares him to the point where that's where his yeah. voice comes from. <laughs> This movie should have been, it should have been an origin story for fucking Skeletor's <laughs> voice. Fucking Julie's parents, dead body and Zal just come flying in. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what I look like? What the fuck? <laughs> but no. I haven't seen a mirror in 5,000 years. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, Kevin finds the 
key and he's like, oh, you know what this is? What? It looks like one of those Japanese synthesizers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this thing has like fucking like tuning uh, forks all over the place and it opens up and makes these spinning motions. And I'm like, yeah, it opens up all these holes and just expands the fucking crown <laughs> like eyes. a piece of fucking RoboCop's equipment left on the cutting room floor they never fucking used on his suit. Yeah. But yeah, it apparently makes music as you touch the little plates on the side. And if you hit the right combination of tones, it makes it open a portal. Well, this alerts Skeletor, but they can't. Ah! I can't find a tracer on this thing. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just improvise the whole line. Like put a tracer on it. I need to find out where these motherfuckers are. What do you mean you can't find it? You suck at your job. Mm-hmm. You jackass. Ah! Not really, but he's, he's basically like, oh, they'll use it again. And when they use it, we'll find them. So lo, lo and behold, he's like, we're going to send an advanced troop out at the high school. Julian Kevin amplified the key with the microphone because he's setting his band's music up or his band's music equipment up to fucking play some kind of graduation ceremony or prom or whatever the fuck it is. I think it was prom. It don't matter. None of this matters. So that sounds it off. And then evil Lynn locks onto the source and decides to put the team of Blade, Sauron, Beastman and Karg together. As a mercenary team. Well, they fucking go to the high school when Julie is alone because Kevin's like, I'm going to take this piece to my friend, Charlie. He might know what it is. Dude, these motherfuckers wreck the shit out of this high school gymnasium. Dude, they fuck up the janitor like so bad. <laughs> you don't know they fucking pie face his ass? Yeah, like he comes out the fucking closet, the janitor's closet, and he's like, what the fuck? And then Beastman just bitch slaps the shit out of him. <laughs> I, I Okay, like I think my favorite part of this scene, no bullshit, was... They have like, like back in the eighties, like whenever they would have like the really pretty shit on the stage with the banners and shit, they have like the, all that, like the, the string silver tinsel and stuff. He's chasing Julie through it and he runs through it and it gets all tangled in his fur. And he just looks like he's like flailing around. He's like, oh, the fuck is this shit? Oh. <laughs> he's just like trying to get it off of it. Like he doesn't even like, sh- like scream in any kind of anger. He's just like trying to like, <laughs> he's like flailing. And I'm just sitting there imagining in his mind, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> This damn shit's getting in my fur. <laughs> it's like he walks around with like little tassels and shit. Gets made fun of. He's like a stripper. Freaking attorney at a strip club. <laughs> Dude, attorney sounds like a strip club. Who are we now kidding? Now on stage, beast man. <laughs> but yeah, they eventually chase Julie out the high school, blowing the shit of it, out of it, basically. <laughs> oh, shit. We started fucking with the four of these bastards chasing them or chasing Julie around and just breaking ship. At one point we pointed out that they look like 40 year old virgins at Renfest. Yeah. Cause blade. Oh my God. Y'all blade is costume is probably the worst contender for any of this because he's, and I'm not offending if I do, I'm sorry, but still I had to point this out. This dude is literally like in his probably forties. I want to say bald overgrown man and like chain mail and costume pieces that oh yeah i put this together in my mom's basement you like it do i look the part it's so goddamn funny though it's like the swords are real it's not larping shit i fucking went over to that booth and i had a dude hammer it out for me for 50 fucking dollars i even watched videos of japanese men who make fucking swords this is legit i'm like dude you probably look the worst out of all four of them <laughs> shit right but yeah as they're freaking playing role play through the fucking streets. They chase Julie into like a, a back alley 
set that looked like something from Death Wish. Yeah, it really did. And they get fucking manhandled by He-Man, and Tila and Man-in-Arms eventually come in and help them. Well, they hightail it out, like, retreat! And we were fucking joking with each other the entire time about this. We're like, retreat! Time to go to the snack bar! We need refreshments! We're malnourished! Popcorn! <laughs> now! It's like a video game whenever you fucking find just drinks and shit on the sidewalk to replenish your health. They're like, we must get refreshments now! Intermission! <laughs> Guys, the Pepsi's 50 cents. We just don't need it. <laughs> but yeah, they eventually save Julie. And they're asking her, like, did you see this key? And she's like, yeah, I think that's what it is. But what happens is Kevin takes the key to Charlie, who he says he's seen the key before, but they wind up hearing the police scanner mm-hmm. for the high school. So he books it back to the high school because he done fucked up and left Julie by herself. Right. And he was longer than the 15 minutes he said he was going to be gone. And He-Man, again, questioning Julie about the key. It's like about this. It's like it's this big with lights on it. I've seen it. It's your dick, right? (laughs) But yeah, Kevin winds up giving Julie's description to the cops, but they take him in. Specifically, what's the fucking dude's name? Yeah, Lubick or Lubick or whatever. Lube it up. Lubick, yeah. Yeah, lube it up. Yeah, because they eventually go back to Julie's house and she calls the house and Kevin picks up and he's talking in code to where... He doesn't point out that it is Julie, but it's somebody talking about Julie. And she's asking questions over the phone. It's like, do you still have the thing about earlier? He's like, oh, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Yeah. So after they hang up, Lubbock's like, who the hell was that? Oh, it's just somebody that Julie knows is asking about her. It's no big deal. Right. Nothing. I had to laugh, though, because when Julie gets introduced to the rest of He-Man's crew, fucking dick lick Gwildor pulls up in this fucking cadillac that we have dubbed the fat mobile like ph fat the fat mobile because i swear to god he tricked this bitch out everybody needs a dick lick in their life i mean it's like a pink cadillac basically yeah oh what were we what were we saying that he looked like he looked like some character from cuphead yeah um the flower yeah i can't remember his name off the head but yeah he he looks like a fucking like just drunk sunflower (laughs) just had one too many pub crawls (laughs) He's, he's all sunburned from like like literally passing out in the street and the sun comes up and bakes his face. Well, not only that, like his fucking cheeks are like old fucking like turkey neck cheeks just <laughs> dripping down. Then he has that one bad eye, which I mean, that's the, the actor, but it's still funny. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, you're right. They're like they it's this is this is really weird, too, because they're trying the um, evil Lynn and them are trying to track this key. And Kevin is trying to tell Lubick, he's like, look, I'll tell you all about it. Just let me heat up this food. I'm hungry. So he's heating the food up in the microwave, which we find out that the microwave is actually jamming the signal from the key. Yeah. From the key to get traced. And they're like, something's not right. Someone's jamming this. Ah, I found it. Blow it up. The guard was like, I've never seen this signal before. Blow up anyway. (laughs) It's a magical pony flying through the sky. Shoot it down. (laughs) That's what I thought about. (laughs) But yeah, the microwave fucking explodes. And then Lubick's just sitting there. He's like, what the fuck? Like, he's like, what what is this? This is some kind of sword. What is this? You're not telling me something, kid. Mm -hmm. So like they're arguing. And then evil Lynn is actually arguing with Skeletor because he's like, he man. She's like, he man must be destroyed. And he's like, but he can't become a martyr because that's his biggest thing. He's like, he can't become a martyr. I have to keep him as a slave. So, you know, Beastman and everybody show back up as he's saying this shit. And he's like, 
where's the key and where's he man and they're like well you see we were outnumbered well skeletor gets pissed off and just fucking disintegrates sarod and sends evil in in his place yeah she was like i wasn't suggesting i'd go and he was like well then you shouldn't have opened your mouth basically right like ooh, <laughs> you must die bitch <laughs> go fuck yourself <laughs> go explode yourself that was another thing too we got to talk about the fact that there was some weird like pornographic dynamic between skeletor and evil and yeah there was a quote that he made about you won't be alone for much longer and i'm like uh what does that fucking mean <laughs> like exactly are you what you think it means are you trying to like give your bone to her but yeah. there's but there was even a sequence right before the group comes back that she was literally within inches of his face and he was kind of like caressing her face and stuff like talking to her about everything and i'm like dude if y'all want to fuck each other just do it just just do it right now so i think there was something going on there yeah well lubig winds up confiscating the damn key because he just he just doesn't believe any of the shit that's happening Mm -hmm. and he leaves kevin by himself well as soon as no sooner than he fucking leaves here come Beastman and the fucking Wreck-It crew kicks the fucking door in and Beastman just straight up WWE's his ass through a fucking table. Like, by God, he breaks that shit. You guys out there know that video with the SWAT team that jumps in that house and just starts like blowing shit up and like throwing the fucking picture on the wall and stuff like that. It's yeah. literally that, but in He-Man universe. Right. It's like FBI, open up! <laughs> Jesus fuck, dude. Yeah, Beast Beast Man just rolls in there like a goddamn wrecking crew and by himself just fucks shit up. Well, they wind up sticking a col- the collar of uh, what is it? The collar of Aldrabar? Yeah, around his neck, basically make him tell the truth or tell everything he knows, and he pretty much gives away everything he knows about the key and shit. Well, then they leave, and then He Man comes along and they release him. Which you pointed something out about. You know, if they had found the key, like if Beastman and them had found the fucking key, why would they even bother to take He-Man, which obviously Skeletor wants to take him. But like you said, if they would just like abandon his ass on planet Earth, he would have no way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because fucking Dicklick doesn't have any technology to make that key again on Earth. Not unless it takes him like a long fucking time to like find the actual parts that would make it work. I mean, do you do you really think the resources of Eternia are similar to the ones on Earth? You know, like they're drastically different. Right. So it would either take way too long and He Man would just probably perish, I would assume, because also another thing too, if he's too far away from the power source of Castle Grayskull, doesn't his power actually fade? Yeah. So like if he's away from it too long, like he wouldn't even last long to begin yeah. with. So like that's the thing I don't understand. Like, I, I get it. Like you said, you know, Skeletor is a fucking egotistical prick, but they should have just like dropped them off and said, fuck off, you know, fuck off, basically. Right. Here, here's the one part that really fucking cracked me up when they find Kevin. And he's like, this is, this is Skeletor's doing. You know, He Man's like, this is Skeletor's doing. We got to get this thing off of him. So they get it off of him. And he goes like into fight mode because he, he doesn't know any of these people. So he's just fighting whoever the fuck he doesn't know. And fucking Julie's like, he's like, she's like, stop. These are my friends. And he's like, a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen people who came in here? <laughs> They're not your friends. <laughs> I am your friend. 
but this oily muscle clad man is not like him at all. Oh shit. Yeah, because that was funny. Whenever He-Man saved Julie the first time, like she buried her face into his chest. All that baby oil and sweat, like, dude. I'm so distraught. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just ugh. slip and slide. Uh, God, dude, he probably like smells like Ben Gay and baby oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, they, they, they take the fat mobile to the mall. And there's this giant battle at Charlie's music shop, which really fucked with me because, uh, I mean, both of us really, both of us really, because all these beautiful instruments just got fucking destroyed. Yep. One thing being a drum kit that had the Eddie Van Halen, um, bicycle paint, um, design on it. Mm-hmm. Oh man. As soon as they busted through that window and that drum kit went down, I said, God damn it. They literally jump, jump. They fucking did. Da, 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 da. Go ahead and jump. If they would have played that right there, I'd probably have laughed my ass off. Tell you, man, we should make that scene just with that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fucking do it. Like as soon as I crash in that window, jump, jump. <laughs> but yeah, they fucking wreck havoc. And Evil Ann is telling Beastman, okay, you keep your troops on standby and Karg and Blade follow her because they know He-Man is going to eventually come back for the key. So... Lo and behold, they do, and they're literally holding up the fucking music shop, and this is where all the fucking, yeah, yeah, the explosions and stuff, all the instruments get messed up and blown up, and they have some really durable keyboards in there, I will say that, so that's a selling point for Charlie. Yeah, no shit, because I think one of them took a direct blast, and only, like, the bottom right corner of it caught on fire, and the rest of it was just fine. Yeah, and literally, like, it was standing still on the stand, and then it got hit, and it's like, boop, it just moved like an inch. Oh, you can just like pat that fire out. It'd still be good. It didn't even burn the keys. What's that black mark on the keys? Oh, that's just like the the paint job. Yeah, it's a scratch. It's a scratch and dent cell. It's okay. Yeah, y'all know how you like your jeans all ripped up and acid wash. It's pretty much like the style it's for distressed. Instruments. <laughs> yeah, it's distressed. <laughs> it's got that distressed look. Mm-hmm. I think what killed the both of us though was the fact that I mean, granted, you know, I think I think anybody in this situation would fall for this fucking trick, but Julie falls for the trick that Evil Lynn has laid out, where she appears as her mother. And she's like, Julie, we've been away doing some secret work. I need that key. Yeah, because Karg finds a picture of not only the family, but the news clip or the clipping of the accident. So I believe, just putting two and two together, he tells Evil Ann, this is how we do it. So yeah, she pretty much disguises herself as the mom, tells her that stupid story, and she runs in, doesn't even say anything, and just grabs the fucking key and takes off. All while Dick Lick is holding a fucking revolver, like telling everybody to shut the fuck up. I'm doing this work. Because <laughs> Lubick and uh, Kevin are having out at each other because Tila gave the gun that Lubick had to Kevin and said, make sure that no one comes in this room. Well, Dick Lick grabs the gun and so there's like, this is absurd. I'm trying to do important work here. And he's just like just holding him like freaking gunpoint. Yeah. But yeah, she takes off with the damn key. And they chase her, and yeah, like there's evil in, just like, yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> I love the line though. Julie's like, that woman took the key. Bitch, you fucking handed it to her. Yeah, you were that dumb. Like, you, 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 knew, <laughs> you fucking knew that they were dead, and you believe that she came back. Right. Come like, on. probably, probably watched. The bodies get put in a grave. I'm assuming that happened since there were fucking graves. I realize they can just do it no matter what, if there is a body or not, but I would assume. But yeah, so they pretty much 
take off with the key and trap them in the alleyway and they take off through the actual music shop and Charlie walks and he's like, oh, damn, my shop. <laughs> I feel bad for him, though, dude, because as much as that tore both of us up, I could only imagine coming back to the music store I opened being like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, Charlie reminded me of the dude from uh, Troll 2. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! He probably came back and was like, well, which one of the assistant managers did the fucking go-ahead on the doorbuster sale? I mean, literally. Like, yeah, exactly. Everything's at a discount now. <laughs> 75% off. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, there's only 25% of everything left. What the fuck? That's a steal. <laughs> literally. But by, like, five of these parts, I can make a whole instrument. Y'all, this sale's fire. <laughs> it's lit. It's lit, fam. So anyway, like Evil Lynn with the key summons Skeletor who arrives on this giant floating like tank looking thing. It looks fucking imposing and badass. Yeah, because you get the Cobra like armrests on the sides and it, it looks like Emperor Palpatine coming in because from a distance you see the hood and the white face and the, the Death Star window yeah. in the background, but it was a red like power source looking thing and it was pretty cool. It was like a evil parade float. <laughs> I would love to see that shit in some kind of parade. Macy's Day parades. Like everything's all these fucking balloons. <laughs> the Macy's Day parade. <laughs> and here comes Skeletor. <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> so there's these people that are doing like this glider shit, right? He man fucking yoinks this one dude off of it and just gets on and chases this other one. But the guy is actually leading him to Skeletor because Skeletor by this point has basically taken everybody else hostage. And they shoot Julie in the leg with some kind of poisonous like electric thing. And we were laughing, though, like, there's like six people that are holding He-Man down. And this one guy just fucking biffs it right into him. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got it, guys. The best part of the movie. I'm sorry. Like, everything else is cool, but this shit is fucking. <laughs> I got it, guys. Just <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. It's, it's like home dude from the Abraham versus zombies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just, yeah, he tries, to, he tries to be badass. And he's just like, oh, shit, just eats complete fucking shit. You think your body weight's going to matter? No, but, like the, because he just grazes the back of his fucking head and just fucking eats the ground. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Skeletor pretty much gives He-Man ultimatums like either you become a slave or every innocent person that you know is dead. Basically, give me your sword, bitch. Yeah. Right. Meow. Right. Meow. But yeah, He-Man surrenders. Goes back to Castle Grayskull, and... Dude, can we talk about that fucking injury on Julie's leg? Yeah, that, that was grotesque and painful to watch. But they realize, Kevin asked, like, can we do anything about it? It's like, no, it's literally the, the trademark of Skeletor's magic. It has to be cured by the sorceress. So she was pretty much feverish at this point, and... At the same time, the key that they had was ruined to the point they can't use it because all of the tones were reset. Like, you can't even use them. So they were like, can we find a way back to uh, Eternia? And they're like, not like this. We can't. Well, Dick Lick eventually comes with the idea. It's like, if we can just recreate the tone when you hit the main button, we can figure out a way to recreate you know, the whole sequence. Well, Mr. Kevin here is... Like, hey, I remember it. And he actually recalls everything. And he's like, Dick Licks is sitting there going, are you a song maker? You're like a master sword maker or song maker. 
It's like, no, there's a million of me out there. And he's like, no, there's just one of you, just like there's one of everybody else. And it's just like that heartfelt moment that we didn't get through any of these films until now. It's like, wow, powerful words. There you go, dick lick. Good job. You actually have a heart. <laughs> he's licking his dick. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea now is to gather as much parts to get this key to work. <laughs> Yeah, because he starts asking everybody for different parts. They're like, I got that. I've got that. How if we just need something to play it on? And fucking Kevin's like, I'll get a keyboard from Charlie's. Dude, fucking how? They're all blown up. Maybe he's going to go get the refurbished one that's just barely caught on fire. I mean, if you put, like I said, five parts of them together, you can make a whole keyboard. There you go. But we forgot to mention Lubbock's interaction with the army. Oh, my God. Because he ends up getting a shotgun from Charlie because he had the behind the counter. He ends up interacting with most of the guards and he goes outside. <laughs> My fucking God, dude, this scene was so funny. He goes behind a car and he's like, put your hands up. And he's trying to make an arrest. All five guards turn around and shoot the living shit out of the car. He was hiding behind. And we're literally looking at it like he shouldn't have survived. No, because he was right on the passenger door and that car, like legit, like we just played, blew the fuck up. <laughs> But no, he survives and comes up looking like a knockoff Bruce Willis from Die Hard. Trying to give that Bruce Willis look and he looks like he's just got to take his shit really bad instead. Mm -hmm. So what he does is he goes back to the precinct. He calls in people to handle the situation. Like, dude, there's like a fucking army of these weirdos out there like destroying shit. None of them believe him. They think he's just lunatic at this point. Right. So like I said, on one point, Castle Grayskull he-Man is very much being enslaved by Skeletor, and the sorceress is looking like a freaking more pickled version of pickles. Yeah, she looks like fucking shriveled up Zordon from the Power Rangers movie, dude. It's like, Alpha, be me five. <laughs> be me five angsty teens with attitude. <laughs> and it's the little Power Ranger ones from the fucking Flash Gordon movie. Mm-hmm. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he ends up showing like the power is fading from her. You have nothing left. I have your sword. And Blade gets this energy whip and starts beating the shit out of fucking He-Man, which at the same time, Skeletor, he he must be enjoying this like on a whole new level. Oh, yeah. Because he's gripping his staff and like literally just flinching like, oh, yeah, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's, he gets hit here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the origin of the laugh. Yeah. 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 And when he explodes, yeah. and then like, as this shit is happening, right? Fucking Skeletor like is obviously getting a wreck from this, right? Because one of his minions is like the moon reaches its apex. And so does Skeletor's dick. <laughs> The great eye is opening. <laughs> the brown eye is opening. But uh, yeah, not the funny way. It was literally just this big hole behind the throat. The yeah, throat. it looks like some glowing hemorrhoids just like power him up and ship. And then like, because He-Man won't kneel. So after Skeletor gets powered up, he becomes this fucked up like Shao Kahn, Loki, General Zod thing. And he's just yelling, kneel! And I'm like, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> I just thought of something. <laughs> mm. What if he wasn't making him kneel? He was actually calling for like Neil Breen. <laughs> Neil! <laughs> he, call- 
if I can't make you kneel with my power, I will get Neil Breen to make you kneel because it's so cringy. I am a god. No! Neil Breen, you must read the ancient text. No more books. <laughs> Fucking throws this shit. No, that is not no, true. That is not true. <laughs> you man can't take it no more. Like, he doesn't recognize, like, he knows Grace. He, he not Grace, he knows Skeletor, but he's changed his form. Yep. It's me. It's me. I'm Skeletor. No, that is not you. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. Can't believe you won't kneel for him, E Man. <laughs> brain! Like, he just yells <laughs> brain instead of fucking kneel. <laughs> so stupid, but I love it. Right. Well, meanwhile, back on Earth. Lubick almost fucks up the keyboard thing that that the little group has got going because you know he he and you know he and Julie professed their love to each other. You know, I guess she's not going anywhere after all. By near death experience, right? But he almost fucks it up. But instead of fucking it up, he actually gets sucked in, and the entire group, including Lubick, travel to fucking Castle Grayskull. Along with half of a car and part of a brick wall. <laughs> it looks like one of those uh, busts, like an action figure bust that you can find where it's like the partial background and a piece of a, you know, a prop. Mm -hmm. And he's just sitting there like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And every time Kevin is having to look at him and be like, this is for real, you fucking jackass. Like, get up and fight. Yep. Which he eventually does. He starts fucking pelting them with buck shots right yeah nobody takes pot shots at lubick nobody puts baldy in the corner in the corner yeah <laughs> like by the time that this has happened though he man broke free and he's starting to beat the shit out of everybody this is a huge fucking battle evil lynn is like yeah eh, let's go i'm out of here she fucking gets everybody and fucking leaves and like you're really gonna leave skeletor but yes ma'am let's go <laughs> you fucking she, she knows his fate and then I, I loved your reaction because like after like you waited so like hour and some change. The one quote through the whole entire like universe of He-Man. He finally pulls the damn sword out of the the luck mechanism, I guess you can call it. And he just like, I have the power. And I was like, fucking thank you. <laughs> like it took you this long. But I guess the buildup was meant for that. Yeah, and this is this is where we were talking about like the really the bad budget timing. A lot of the movie was not allowed to have any kind of like second unit pickup shots because of the budget. So they really had to get what they could while they could. And Dolph Lundgren actually did a lot of his own stunts in this movie because of that reason. This is the final fight where they're, they're having their sword slash staff battle, He-Man and Skeletor, but it's literally like two lights that are changing colors. Because the way that it, they tried to make it look is that like, the power of the sword and the power of Skeletor pulled all the light out of the room. And it made the effects look kind of cool, but well, I mean, you know what was going on budget wise. Yeah. Like the ending of the movie was supposed to be that Skeletor dies falling over the altar and getting sucked into that black hole thing, but the budget would not allow for it. So they just fucking had him fall to his death down some fucking like spiraling hole. You know, I want to point out too, like this movie seemed to pull a lot of tropes from the star Wars trilogy. Yeah, it actually really did, if you think about it. Because there was a lot of moments from Empire Strikes Back that kind of mingled in with this movie. And then that sequence reminded me of Return of the Jedi when the Emperor got thrown down that shaft. Yeah. So, and like I said earlier, you know, the Emperor on the throne. I mean, it, it just felt like they were kind of using that as, like, ideas, I guess. But honestly, like, 
no no fucking shit right here i like that that battle sequence because it wasn't so corny that it wasn't interesting but it wasn't too like engaging or thralling to where it was like oh shit like this is serious like it was kind of like a good mixture because one skeletor he was definitely over encumbered with a lot of like heavy armor and shit so it was kind of weird watching him like actually fight you know fluidly but at the same time they choreographed it good enough to where it looked believable like you see the struggle and he-man grabbed a sword and was trying to like fight off and stuff like that and then eventually he broke the staff which pretty much disconnected all the god power from skeletor and that's when skeletor you know pulled the one on and was like oh no you will die and like they started fighting again. I was like, man, this is actually pretty good. I actually enjoyed that fight sequence, minus yeah. the, the shit from the lighting and stuff. Yeah, and that was more or less just some trivia stuff, because it uh, to me, it didn't really take away from it too much. Mm-mm. I think, for me, it was more or less just... I, it, it is sad that like the person didn't get... like The director, Gary Goddard, didn't get to finish like what he wanted to finish. Right. But, you know, he, he made it watchable. He made it, like, you know... He made it what he could, and it worked for what it was. But yeah, like he falls to his death. Lubick winds up staying in Gray Skull. The sorceress gives Julia an orb so that Eternia will always be near her. And Gwildor Dicklick sends Julia and Kevin back home. But right when they're leaving, or right when they're transporting, Julie tells them to wait. And we, you know, we we already knew what the fucking wait was. She she wanted to be sent back before her parents died. Yeah, because he mentioned earlier, it's like I can take you back to any part of the past or present that you want. And he was, she was like, no, we just want to go back to our time. Which eventually, like he said, brought him back to the time before they died, the parents. And she ends up like overjoyed with emotion, grabs the keys to the airplane that her dad flies because apparently he was the pilot that flew the plane. And she was like, no, you can't leave. I want to go to the beach with y'all. You don't have to go to fuckface, whatever. Yeah, don't get on the plane. I have a really bad feeling about it, dad. You probably got really drunk and crashed the fucking plane. Probably. But... Yeah, she runs out the house with the key and meets up with Kevin and they're like having this little moment. It's like, wait, Eternia. And they both look at the orb that they were given and that's pretty much the end of the movie minus, you know, He-Man throwing his arm up, I have the power. And yeah. The end. Except like after the credits roll, Skeletor pops up out of this water and he's like, I'll be back. And there was supposed to be a sequel and it was supposed to be called Masters of the Universe 2 Cyborg. And weirdly enough, that script never got it never got made because this movie bombed between this and superman for the quest for peace canon films like lost a shit ton of money and it ruined the studio mm-hmm. pretty much and that script actually wound up getting reworked into the jean-claude van damme canon film cyborg so the sequel never got made flash gordon had sequels that were never going to get or they were been trying to reboot and do sequels to it never happened which brings us to this week's question who the fuck wins I think I mentioned it earlier. I don't know because Flash Gordon was visually interesting. The environment was fascinating. The wardrobe was so fucking funny, but awesome at the same time. The action was pretty cool. The lines were funny as hell. And then on the flip side, you have He-Man, which it felt more grounded. It felt more like sinister and dark toned compared to Flash Gordon. But at the same time, and it still had his campiness and stuff like that. It's it's hard because they both are like really great films in so many different aspects aside from each other. 
my my pick would be pretty controversial. Flash? No. Mm-hmm. I think Masters of the Universe. See, originally I thought uh, Flash was going to be my pick, but then I'm just like, he man, it, it has so many great things going for it. So I'm like, I really don't know. But I think, I mean, if it's by any amount, like it's a small amount, I would probably say Flash Gordon for me for yeah. for, a, for a lot of reasons. Like one, like I said, it it had a lot of the Bond film actors and actresses in it that I actually grew up watching, and like I said, the the costume designer, whoever it was was just like it was fascinating to see like their creativity come to life in this film because like you see a lot of these films in the 70s and 80s and they weren't nearly as like elaborate as this was i i actually have a tiebreaker for us if we want to go that route Mm. so on our twitter account at supermedia bros underscore we had put a tweet out earlier this week with a voting thing when flash gordon versus the versus masters of the universe drops who is your pick to win and this was done out of 68 votes and 56% to 44% picked Masters of the Universe. Mm. It was a pretty fucking close one. Yeah. And that was a lot of votes. So if we, if we want to use the tiebreaker, like the, the people that listened to the show that voted, they voted for He-Man, basically. Okay. So in this aspect, the winner goes to He-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though like Cody and I, have, like, we both agree that like, the, we, we, picked, we picked different ones, but we both agree these movies were a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They both had that outer space aspect. They had the kind of fish out of water where a human from Earth went to a fucking distant planet. And then people that were from distant you know, galaxies of parts of the universe went to Earth. Like we said, they're both fun. They're, camp- they're both campy in their own rights. Uh, Flash Gordon was based on a serial comic. Masters of the Universe is based on an action figure line. I mean... Flash Gordon had Queen compose some of the music or just had music introduced by them. It was so fucking great. Right. And, I, and, and you can't deny that Dolph Lundgren just looks like he was made to play that role. Mm-hmm. The blonde hair, the big stature. I mean, granted, he, you know, he was very thick Swedish accent when this was being made. And they opted to keep his lines as is. But they have few of them here and there. So, yeah. And the funny part about that is that in flash gordon all of his lines were dubbed over in secret so that's really weird yeah. where you got the swedish guy that didn't get his shit voice over and then you got the american dude that did get his shit voiced over so yeah i i guess by by you guys' vote out there this week's winner is masters of the universe which was a lot of fun both of these movies were a ton of fucking fun oh yeah uh, i know masters of the universe is on amazon prime and I think you can actually rent Flash Gordon in a shit ton of places. So if you want to check him out, do, go do that. Highly recommend. Fuck yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking with our friends over at Podeskew. We're going to be talking about music covers. So stay tuned for that. And then we're actually going to be going on to their show the following Monday to talk about film remakes. So yeah, that's going to be a ton of fun. Be sure to check that shit out. Visit the all-new layout of SupermediaBrosPodcast.com to listen to past, present, and future episodes. Do the YouTube thing. Follow us on social media. Buy some merch. Wear a Flash Gordon t-shirt. Just because. It should show on the front, Flash, and then on the back. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kept making jokes about that throughout the whole movie. Like, Cody was like, oh, when you stub your fucking toe. Ah! Ouch! Ow! Smash! Ah. But yeah, go check all that stuff out. This was a fun episode to do. And uh, I think I'm done. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, go go in the show notes below. Check out everything. Join us next week. Go listen to other episodes we've done. They're a lot of fun too. 
by whose account we don't know but we, we really we, don't we just assume we, we assume they're fine they're mediocre at best yeah <laughs> that was cult cinema showdown 67 flash gordon versus masters of the universe until next week i've been midnight agent raw and i'm okami shades on Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.